Chapter 22, Mrs. Vargas. In all my years in education, the greatest teacher I've ever worked with was a young man named Zachary Kermit. Oh, sure, we were all dedicated back then, fresh out of college and convinced we were destined to change the world, one student at a time. Zachary was different. All teachers dream of changing lives. He really changed them. The kids had no way of knowing it, but being placed in Mr. Kermit's class was like winning the lottery. It actually got to the point where I'd look out over my group and feel a little sorry for them because there was a much better teacher just down the hall. That was before the Terra Nova incident turned him into a zombie. He went from best to worst. If I were doing my job, I'd have fired him a long, long ago because heaven knows he wasn't doing his job. Maybe I didn't see things clearly enough because he was a friend. Or maybe I was just waiting for the teacher he once was to reappear. But after 27 years, even I had to know that the old Zachary Kermit was gone forever. Well, guess what? He's back. And it took the worst group of kids in the whole district to make it happen. That's what brings me to district offices this afternoon. The first semester progress reports are out and I can't wait to share the big news with Dr. Thaddeus. When it's my turn, I don't even say hello to my boss. I just march in and place the seven pages on the blotter in front of him. What are these? He asks. Progress reports from SCS 8, I tell him. Prepare to be amazed. He sifts through the papers, giving a cursory scan to each. You're right, he says finally. I am amazed. That an experienced administrator like yourself would be fooled so easily. I'm shocked. Fooled? Look at those results. Okay, they're just brief summaries, but last year these kids were all floundering. This is miraculous. It would be, he concedes, if it was real. Why wouldn't it be real? Zachary Kermit is a fantastic teacher. Oh, sure, he was in a funk for a while. I'd hardly describe 27 years as a while, the superintendent puts in dryly. But these kids and their needs have brought him back, I persist. It's wonderful. It's phony, he retorts. Zachary would never falsify student reports. To keep his law, his job long enough to finish out the year he would, he tells her. Your Mr. Kermit has figured out what thin ice he's on. He'd do anything to make sure he qualifies for early retirement. Not this, I say stoutly. I admit Zachary hasn't been the greatest teacher up until now, but his integrity has never been in question. Even at his very lowest point, he never claimed to be anything he wasn't. There's a difference in those kids now. It's not just Zachary. The phys ed coaches see it. The lunchroom monitors see it. Emma Fountain sees it. I see it. They're not angels but they're better. They go on field trips. 
A local business leader has taken them under his wing. What local business leader? Jake Terranova, I admit. I know it's a little odd. He laughs mirthlessly. Spare me. I reject this so-called wonder of yours. In fact, he takes out a large ring binder and begins flipping pages. I've been reviewing the district contact contract. I'm sure you're familiar with Article 12, Subsection 9. Refresh my memory, I reply warily. He smiles. It states that any teacher presiding over declining test grades in a core subject for three straight years can be de deemed an ineffective educator and fired for cause. I'm appalled. You mean Zachary? He's been moved around so much that you couldn't possibly blame any class's failing grades on him. There's a formula, he explains. You calculate a baseline using past performances of the individual kids. And it just so happens that Mr. Kermit's students have shown declining results in the state science exam for the past two years. If the assessment at the end of the month goes the same way, then I've got him. I don't even watch my words. That's so unfair. He raises one jet black eyebrow. How can you of all people say that? You just told me that he's turned his class around. If that's true, they'll ace the test and Mr. Kermit will have nothing to worry about. I bite my tongue. This man is my boss. He speaks for the school district and what he says goes. He may be a stinker, but that doesn't change the fact that it's everybody's job to carry out his instructions. Besides, he's just being sarcastic, but in this case, he happens to be right. Zachary really has transformed that class. They don't have to ace the science test. They just have to beat their scores from the past years. How hard can that be? Tests like this one got them placed in SCS 8 in the first place. <clears throat> I leave the office feeling a lot better about Zachary's chances of making it through till June. Still, it can't hurt to pass on a suggestion that he might want to do some extra test prep for the coming science assessment. Forewarned is forearmed. Zachary Kermit is too good a teacher to lose his retirement just because a certain cranky superintendent can't forgive him for something that was never his fault in the first place. Chapter 23, Kiana Rubini. Cut it out, Chauncey. My half-pint half-brother is crawling all over my notes, which are spread out around me on the floor of the den. His onesie is open, his diaper is sagging, and he's teething and drooling, an action figure of a Power Ranger or Transformer clutched in his little fist. Mateo can probably ID it. I make a mental note to Snapchat him a picture. Chauncey's chubby knee comes down on my chart. The atomic masses of elements shredding the paper and I freak out. Louise! I bellow. Then borrowing dad's line, geez, Louise. Chauncey is startled and bursts into tears. 
I feel bad about that. Pesky as he is, you can't help getting used to a cute little guy who seems to love you for no logical reason. On the other hand, I need my chart of atomic masses, just like I need my periodic table and all the other notes I have carefully organized on the floor. I'll never understand teachers. Sure, I get it that Mr. Kermit has come back from the lost land of crossword puzzles. But now, totally out of nowhere, he's gone science crazy. The state science assessment is on October 23rd, he announced last week. This is our chance to prove that our class can do as well as any other group, maybe even better than some. The way he said it, how he made it sound like it was us against everyone else who calls us unteachable, got the whole class on board the Science Express. Elaine's eyes were practically shining with excitement and purpose. Maybe she thought we were going to dissect somebody. We're like Frodo going up against the dark forces of Middle Earth, Matteo declared. Okay, that's standard Matteo, but even Aldo was sort of into it. Ribbit is framing this against this as a giant in your face to the whole school. No way Aldo can pass up a chance at that. So that's why I'm in the den, up to my ears in graphs and formulas, yelling at a baby. You think I'm thrilled about it? The best thing about being a short-timer is you can slack off with no consequences. And I can't even get that right. What's wrong? Stepmonster rushes in and spies her little darling laying waste to my work like Godzilla stomping Tokyo. Oh man, I really am spending too much time with Mateo. She expertly scoops him up using one arm. I almost bark something rude like, what took you so long? But then I spot the tall glass of iced tea in her other hand. I thought you could use a study break, she offers setting the drink down on the edge of the coffee table. Kiana, your dad and I are so proud of how hard you've been working lately. It annoys me. Who does she think she is, my mother? She's definitely not that. I know because she isn't on a movie set in Utah, leaving me in exile. Chauncey hangs off her hips, arms and legs flailing. The action figure flies from his little hand, landing with a kerplop in my iced tea. Chauncey, she scolds. You ruined your sister's drink. Believe it or not, I actually sympathize with her then. Overworked, sleep deprived, and saddled with her husband's California kid. It's not ruined, I say quickly. It's just, I fish the Power Ranger out, watching the level of tea go down. I drop it back in again and the level rises. My eyes widen in understanding. Archimedes' first law of buoyancy. A floating object displaces its own weight in liquid. I've been trying to understand it all day. I spring up and wrap my arms around Stepmonster. Thanks for the tea. Chauncey sinks in his newly cut tooth into his thumb and starts bawling again. The science craze even extends to Terra Nova Motors. Jake buys these rolling whiteboards and his mechanics show us how to calculate horsepower and torque. We have a contest to see who can be the quickest to label the parts of an internal combustion engine. Parker wins, even though some of his spellings are a little creative like crankshaft equals scarf bank. 
Jake keeps telling us how important it is to do well on the test, to make Mr. Kermit look good. He says it over and over again until his face gets flushed, like he's really stressed about it. What's the big deal? If by some miracle we ace the exam, those good grades will be ours, not the teacher's. And if we bomb out, well, that'll be on us too. How is it Mr. Kermit's fault if his class happens to be dumb at science? Or maybe we're not so dumb. On Friday, we take a practice test, and we do pretty well. I pull off a 92, which is amazing, considering science isn't my best subject. Elaine gets an 86, and both Barnstorm and Rahim crack 70. Even Mateo squeaks out pass, a pass at 67, which isn't bad for someone who can't tell the difference between Earth and Middle Earth, and thinks force and magic are real. Aldo brings up the rear with a 62, but Mr. Kermit steps in before he can get too worked up about it. Think about it, Aldo. Three more points, and you would have passed. You're a completely different student now. You're reading Where the Red Fern Grows, an award-winning novel. I believe in you. And on test day, I know you'll be able to scrounge up three more points. Yeah, Aldo exclaims, energized. If I can care whether old Dan and little Anne win the coon hunt, I can care about anything, even stupid science. Puffy tails for everybody, crows Barnstorm, waving a crutch in the air. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, our teacher tells us. We don't want to be overconfident for the real test next week. But, he adds, I'm proud of each and every one of you. If you put up these kinds of scores on the actual assessment, it'll say a lot about what we've accomplished together as a class. Those words stick with me. What we've accomplished together as a class. Well, okay. I'm part of the accomplishment, but I'm not actually part of the class. Technically, I'm not even part of the school. It doesn't make any real difference. I'm going home to L.A., but not next week. I'll be taking the science assessment alongside everybody else. Still, I can't help wondering how the others would react if they knew the truth about me. It makes me uneasy. I can't get past the guilty feeling that I'm keeping a secret from my friends. <laughs>